Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Thank you so much for joining us on Your Financial Mission. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Janine Theus, CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors, your financial commander here on the show, serving you throughout Columbia and Howard County. This is the show for you if you're looking to learn a little bit about retirement planning and about your own financial life and how it might be impacted by what's happening out there in the financial world. Janine, thanks so much for taking some time to join us this week. We've got lots of good stuff on tap today, don't we? Hey, Walter, how you doing? I'm, I'm excited about uh, some of the topics we're talking about today. Yeah, just a little preview for you coming up on the episode today. We've got a question from Jim, and Jim's invested heavily in tech stocks, and he's also got kids that are about to go to college, and he's wondering what to do with some of those dollars. We'll get into the nitty and gritty of his question coming up later on. I know Janine's already kind of licking her chops at tackling that one, so that should be... <laughs> <laughs> kind, kind of fun. A little preview for you. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about politics a little bit later on when we see what's happening in the news and we take a look at the field of candidates in the Democratic Party. We're going to take this kind of from a financial angle from that discussion. So that'll be coming up later on in today's show as well. But first, we're tackling the five most common pain points in your financial life. And I think, Janine, I'd be pretty safe in saying when it comes to financial planning, pretty much everybody's got at least some kind of pain point along the way, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And if it's not in, you know, in some excruciating pain, there is a nagging ache, Mm. I would call, in some of these issues that people face. And I'll also point out on some of these, they may not be painful right now, but just like a pressure point or a pain point on your body, maybe it's not activated until somebody hits it or uh, <laughs> pressures it or something like that. So it may not be currently yeah, exa- lighting up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> it might in the future for you. So everybody's got at least one of these pain points, I'm sure. And they do tend to be different for different people. You know, some people are affected more by certain pain points than others. So we're going to walk you through this list and Janine's going to give us some guidance and advice and maybe some stories about people that she's helped who have dealt with these pain points in the past. First of all, Janine, this one might be an obvious one. We've heard the studies that kind of echo this before. When folks have extreme worry about running out of money before they die, in fact, they're worried about that more than dying itself often. Why is that such a big pain point for so many people? For a lot of people, I think they really don't understand the numbers or they really are concerned about their numbers. That seems to be an obvious point, but a lot of people do have trouble sitting down and going through the numbers. And so they don't know exactly because they haven't done a budget to see exactly what it's costing them to live. And can they maintain that particular lifestyle with the money they've saved? And then they're worried about, oh my gosh, how is this nest egg going to last and support me, you know, as I get older? And I think a lot of people will come in and say, well, I'm not living past, you know, 
uh, I'm going to be lucky if I live past 70. Well, you're probably going to live past 70. So now it's a, a worry about what happens in my 80s and then potentially into your 90s. I have a, a guy I swim with. He's 73 and in fantastic shape. And his uh, mother-in-law is 97. So, wow. so yeah, there's some worry here about how long this money's going to last. And the only way to figure that out is to sit down and actually walk through the numbers and look at portfolio construction that gives you the income you need. It's a big issue for people who may live a long time, whether it's in your family history or not, just with medical advancements. You know, you can't just necessarily say, well, so-and-so lived to be this age. That's probably going to be what happens to me because maybe the thing that they passed away from, we've made such incredible technological advancements that, you know, otherwise they'd still be alive. They'd still be doing well or they would have lived much longer had that one particular thing been solved or fixed by the time that ailment hit them. So you can't always use that past performance to uh, predict future results, right, Janine, the old... <laughs> The old financial standpoint. (laughs) We can take that disclaimer and expand it out a little bit. All right, so extreme worry about running out of money before you die. That's one common pain point. Number two would be angst about taxes. And everybody really should have this pain point. If you don't, it's very obvious. It's just one of those hidden ones that's going to hit you later on. Well, you know, it's funny. People sometimes don't, they don't even consider taxes. I mean, they don't like them. Although some people will say, hey, I don't mind paying taxes. I'm like, well, you can write a check because I don't like to pay taxes. <laughs> Not more but than I have to. That's right. No more than I have to. Exactly. So angst about taxes really starts to hit you when all of a sudden you're going into retirement and you're finding out how much of what you've saved or where it is, where it's coming from, or if you've um, you know exceeded the threshold for social security taxation, more of your social security gets taxed. And people don't really feel that until all of a sudden it happens. And then there is an angst about taxes. And then you're looking at, okay, if I live another 20, 25 years, holy moly, taxes are going to take a a big chunk out of my savings. Yeah, it's another great point, Janine, that I think a lot of people overlook. So angst about taxes, is that how many of you have raised your hand so far on the show, worrying about money before dying, angst about taxes? I'd say we probably have a pretty good majority already of folks who have these as pain points in their financial life if they haven't addressed them already. Number three on the list, what about paralyzing fears of ending up in a nursing home? I know that bothers a lot of people to think about that. Nobody wants to have that happen. What's really interesting about this one is that the people who are going through the experience with an elder parent or parent-in-law have more of an understanding and fear of the actual costs and what's happening in that entire industry. A lot of people have their heads in in the sand as to what's going to happen here. We have outsourced as a society care for the elderly. I mean, generally speaking, it's women who go to part-time or quit their jobs to take care of an elderly parent, but we are such a, um, a transient, if I, you know, we, we move around a lot as a population, and so sometimes your parent is three states away or all across the country. Mine's 3,000 miles away. So, you know, are they going to end up in a nursing home? My mother is absolutely adamant about not going to a nursing home. She wants to die in her house. So now you've got an issue of care. So how does that work? And who's going to care for you? A lot of people really, they're starting, you know, when you hit 60, 65, you're starting to really think about these things. And so, you know, a conversation with hopefully your children, and if you don't have children, you need somebody who you trust to talk with about this. Yeah, another good point, Janine. All right, so that's three out of the five pain points on the show today. Number four is uneasiness 
about retiring and walking away from a paycheck. A lot of people are, I think, because of maybe some of these other pain points, Janine, this is now becoming one. Maybe they want to retire, but that fear is now keeping them working, and they're kind of just living that uneasy life right now because of just some of these other influences. You know, that's actually a very good point because I just went through this with a client whose spouse was very, very worried about this situation, about him retiring. And when we sat down and actually went through the numbers, um, he's lucky enough to have a pension. So that adds to obviously stable income and he's not, they're not taking social security yet and she still is working some. So when you actually sit down and run through the numbers, then she was like, oh, I can breathe now. We're going to be okay. <laughs> but typically what you see is everybody's used to being in accumulation mode. Yeah. And so this income is always coming in and you're right to walk away from a paycheck is like walking off the edge of a cliff for a lot of people because of that unknown on the other side. Hmm. Yeah, it's really scary, I think, as we walk through these different pain points. If you don't have a plan to address them, they all start piling up on top of one another. Um, some of <laughs> yeah. them are symptoms or you know, sub-worries or sub-pain points or the other thing, kind of like... You know, you break your ankle and now it's just making you more likely to break your knee or, you know, your ACL or tear your ACL or something. And then this is from personal experience, by the way. And then and then they said, you know, if you don't really fix, go back and fix the ankle like, you know, you had it fixed, but you don't have any flexibility in that thing. And that's probably what caused you to, you know, have the ACL go. And now your ACL, eh, you know, you haven't quite recovered to 100% there, and yet you continue to do sports and activities. Well, what's going to happen is the next thing to absorb that impact is going to be your hip, and then your yep. hip's going to start hurting, and it's kind of like that in the financial landscape. Yeah, there is a ripple effect, and all of these four points that we've discussed so far are ripple effect, and that can subliminally influence your decision-making or that the level of angst that a client might have. Yeah. Number five on the list, last one here on the five common pain points in your financial life, anxiety about an impending market crash. And that's a pain point that I think a lot of people have right now. Well, especially after last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so 2018 was not a pretty year, especially at the end of the year. So people do worry about that, but I don't know that it's necessarily, I mean, I have met people that it's crippling. It's a crippling worry for them. Mm -hmm. But when you sit down and talk about historical norms, what is normal and what, what the market always does historically afterwards, we have a lot of biases, confirmation bias. You know, These are behavioral. And there's an entire industry or segment of finance or financial studies that's called behavioral finance. And behavioral finance deals with some of these fears that we have about markets and market crashes. So if people can get calmed, well, they can get calmed if they come and sit down and, and have a talk about historical norms and then what to expect with portfolios, what's normal, what's, you know, we talk about the standard deviation, well, that's a mathematical term and everybody kind of freaks out when I say that and they get this glazed look. Well, okay, it's a roller coaster. Which roller coaster do you want to be on? So, you know, so you can get rid of some of that anxiety if you understand what's normal in the marketplace then we have to figure out what's normal and okay for you. Hmm. So, you know, the only way you're going to do that is to have somebody sit with you and go through this. Yeah. 
It's a great point, Janine. And if you have any of these pain points that we've gone over today, now, obviously, this was just five common pain points. You may have one that's, you know, and, and I'm sure we could add to the list if we wanted to, Janine. We just thought five <laughs> would be an easy-to-absorb number on today's podcast. But if you've got other pain points, maybe it'll be something we talk about later on in today's show, things that are bothering you, come in and have a conversation with Janine about what's going on in your financial life. She can walk through it with you, talk to you about some of the issues you're having, how you can maybe better position yourself to eliminate some of the things that are causing you pain in your financial life. It's easy to get in touch. 443-718-6311 is the number to call. That's 443-718-6311. And always online at theuswealthadvisors.com. We'll put links to additional resources as well in the uh, blog post that corresponds with today's episode. You can find that link in the description of today's show. And Janine, you've also put together a retirement rescue toolkit that's pretty helpful to folks who are at the beginning stages of that financial planning process, or maybe just kind of sticking their toe in the water when it comes to planning for retirement. Why is that so helpful for folks? Well, one of the things we include in there is a book that's, um, it's got a lot of humor in it because this stuff's really dry. So we try <laughs> to include, you know, some, there's not a lot of pictures, but there's some humor in terms of explaining some of the concepts. So we discuss some of the things I talk about in my classes on retirement income planning, and that can help put things in perspective, things you should be considering, obstacles you may run into, hurdles you have to jump over when it comes to doing retirement planning. And so we've got that and some other, there's a couple of things. There's a an audio on um, diffusing the ticking tax time bomb, which is if you have all of your money in a 401k or qualified plan, at some point you've got to take it out because Uncle Sam wants it or wants his portion of it. Let me put it that way. Right. So you're going to have to pay taxes on it. So if you have a very large amount of money in a qualified plan, that's going to be a very large RMD required minimum distribution. So, you know, you need to be aware of that. Should you do Roth conversions? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on where you are. So there are things like that that are in the toolkit. Very cool. If you want to get that toolkit, again, you can find it on the website, theuswealthadvisors.com or in the additional resources section of today's blog post that corresponds with the episode. That's theuswealthadvisors.com where you can find everything you need there. So those are the five most common pain points that we often find in your financial life. Maybe some of those things resonated with you. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know Janine Theus a little bit better on today's podcast. We always like to throw her a couple of random questions now and again to learn some more about her personality away from all the financial talk. And got a got an interesting question for you this week, Janine. If you could nominate one person that you've known for sainthood, who would it be? Well, I don't know that I would get an agreement on this from my brothers, but <laughs> I would... <laughs> I uh, I think in a way I would have to nominate my mom Aww. because you know it, everybody would love to say that about their parents. My mom's a very interesting character, but <laughs> over the years, but she had she to raise my, you, so she's definitely a saint. Right? Exactly, you know. <laughs> but they, she and my dad, you know, they've been married sixty five years now, and years and years ago they had six of us kids, and then they took in, no kidding, at least another eight young boys. Wow, really? Teenagers. Teenagers, of all things. Is that so, right? I didn't know that yeah. about you. So after was this after all you guys were gone, then they took in? Well, actually, when we moved to Dayton, Ohio, so it was my dad's last tour, 
my brother that's a year younger than me had a couple of friends and their family situations were terrible. So one of the kids ended up moving in with us. He was pretty much last year of high school. And then when we left Ohio to go to Oregon, one of the other kids <laughs> was a good friend. He's just, he was just always at the house. He ended up moving with us and he, everything he owned fit into a paper bag. Wow. And so we brought him to Oregon, and then we weren't in Oregon more than a couple of years, and one of my other brothers had a friend whose family situation had fallen apart, and it was really rough, and he ends up becoming a brother. Huh. <laughs> so there's like three bo- three of those you know, teenage young men, if you will, who become part of the family. And this is back 73, 74, 75, and then they ended up taking in three boys from juvie home, juvenile home, at different times. And then they ended up, there were just kids that ended up in our house all the time. Wow. So there was never any money. My dad was working two jobs half the time. <laughs> and, and so while they're doing that, my, you know, so people are like, well, why, are you, why do you have all these boys? And so my mom was like, well, you want me to bring girls into this mix? <laughs> so <laughs> so oh, she ended up running one of the, probably one of the best Girl Scout, older girl programs, high school girl programs in the country you know, training these girls. They went backpacking across Europe at least three times. They had to plan oh the plan the event or plan the trip. So taking care of all those boys wasn't enough. She had to go out and volunteer. And- exactly. Yeah. And I told her, I said, you were sticking 10 pounds in a five pound sock. That's why you were a little off the chart sometimes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is an amazing but, story. This is like something that a movie needs to be made after. Oh, you know, it would be it would be a pretty cool movie. She made a difference in a lot of kids' lives. And when she turned 60, a lot of these Girl Scouts that she'd had for years from the time they were, I don't know, juniors, junior Girl Scouts up to college age, really, they wrote some beautiful letters and put it in a big notebook for her. But these girls had to plan the trip. They had to raise their own money. The parents were not allowed to give them money. And... Then they went and did the trip, and I mean it's pretty pretty spectacular that she made. She, and my dad just kind of just kind of went along. <laughs> He's like, okay, <laughs> so he didn't fight it. But you know, to have that kind of an impact because you care about children mm-hmm. was, a, I think, you know, saints are not perfect people, <laughs> but they they do. They're ordinary people who do extraordinary things hey. because they're. Appro- approved approved um i think through you know that's all the review that we need a- <laughs> approval process is uh complete so sainthood it yeah. is for uh for your mom that's amazing do you still keep in touch with a lot of those kids that came through the house the other the kind of the adopted ones and the ones that oh yeah floated through? And yeah okay. in fact um there's a funny story my youngest brother who's quite a bit younger than me but one day that my parents came home from i don't know one of the few times they went to the movie or something they're out they came home it's 10 o'clock at night and there are 20 boys in the downstairs tv room 20 boys. And my brother was not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) It was a safe haven for all these kids. Wow. So, you know, so they walk in and there's all these guys and they couldn't find Brent. They're like, all right, everybody out of the pool. (laughs) Get out of the pool. We're going to bed. (laughs) That is too funny. Yeah, yeah, we do. We keep in touch. Um, The three, the first three guys are are just part of our family now. Okay. Neat. Neat. Because they overlapped with you kind of being, being at home more often, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, really cool time. story. I'm serious. They need to make a movie about that. It's kind of like, uh, 
what's the show where they have like 15 kids um oh yeah well there was yours mine and ours that was a movie or right something like and then that, steve you know? martin did the uh cheever by the dozen right i think was yeah the, something yeah. something like that <laughs> so it, it would fit so. right into that genre i suppose but it would be a really neat story well that's really cool thanks for sharing that with us on the program today that's getting to know janine theus a little bit better on the show from that we make a not so subtle segue to talk about politics <laughs> uh, to see what's happening in the news this time around um so this has kind of been going on throughout the beginning of 2019 more presidential candidates janine are throwing their hats into the ring in the democratic party of course There's an increasing amount of discussion as this all takes place about increased taxes on high incomes and bigger taxes as well on large estates. I'm just curious if you think this is a good idea in your opinion. Well, no, because it's just every time people talk about this, it's really just dividing everybody up by envy, greed, etc., our tax brackets already tax the rich. Now, we have to be very careful when we say, who are the rich? Because if you look at the tax statistics, I think it's the top 3% of income earners pay 97% of the taxes. Hmm. So, you know, and you don't have to be quote unquote rich. You just have to be a W-2 earner that makes a lot of money, a doctor, a lawyer, you're working for somebody else, you're working for an employer, and you get taxed at the highest brackets. So if you're talking about the rich, are you talking about Jeff Bezos or Microsoft guy, Bill Gates? I mean, those are the elite wealthy. And yes, they do pay taxes. I mean, all these business owners do pay taxes because if you're paying yourself a salary, you're going to pay taxes. What the Democrat Party likes to do a lot of times is use this as you know, some motivation to come after people. But when you look at the taxes and the stats for taxes, the rich are already taxed, who's not taxed necessarily, they say are businesses, but C-corps, C-corporations are taxed twice. They're taxed on the salaries they get and they're taxed, the business is taxed. So, you know, you can tax the bejesus out of people and what you will do is stop the flow of money in the economy. So here's the, the three points people need to remember. There are only three things you can do with money. You can save it, spend it, or invest it. And whether you're an individual or a business owner, those are the only three things you can do. So if you raise taxes, that's the government saying to you, I want more of your money so I can give it to this person or this cause or whatever over here, because they don't think you can handle spending, investing, or saving your own money. So Whenever you say tax the rich, you know, I'm a little bit jaundiced because I know what the tax code is and or not all of it, but generally speaking, when we do that, you're basically cutting off the flow of income in the economy. So that's a really important thing to remember. Estate plans, you know, if somebody builds a really big estate and they pass it to their kids, that doesn't, um, it doesn't hurt anybody to do that, you know, in, in terms of individual taxpayers, it doesn't hurt any. You could tax everybody's estate that they've left, it would not solve the spending problem that Congress has. <laughs> yeah, it's a so, it's a toolful problem, right? We've got a, there's no real sense in raising the amount of money coming in if we still aren't fixing the amount of money going out problem. Exactly right. Otherwise. Exactly right. And, and Congress likes to move things around. So you, unless you really get into the weeds, and I just read an article on this, you know, about the, the so-called Social Security Trust Fund, and there really isn't a trust fund, it's a unified fund because of the way Congress changed the rules. 
So that's a you know an interesting point. So whenever candidates talk about this, you really have to you know look at this with a sharp eye because when you look at the numbers and there are plenty of websites that talk about this, the numbers really don't add up to yeah. do that. Yeah. Interesting uh, analysis for sure, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see that just that one issue highlights, I think, some of the uh, interestingness that's going to happen between now and 2020 <laughs> in our political world. But that's a little bit of a financial snapshot from some of the politics that we'll be hearing about over the uh, you know next many months. I'm sure we'll have a few more of these in the news items that bring our conversation back around to the election and the competition that will be going on over the next couple of months as well. Before we wrap up the program today, Janine, let's get to a question here from Jim. We always like to end the program with a great question from one of our listeners. Jim says, my kids will be starting college in about four years. I currently have all of their college savings and technology stocks. Should I diversify and what should I diversify to? I hear we're expecting a recession in the next year or two, so I want to make sure I'm positioned properly to weather the storm, but also add some more return to the coffers in that time frame. And I just want to pull my hair out and go, holy moly, where were you in 99 and 2000? <laughs> that is the worst thing you could have your money in if you're really going to spend that money for college and in four years, for crying out loud. Tell yeah, me how you, you need... really feel, Janine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at this point, I'd say go to cash if you're really worried about it, you know, weathering a storm. Yeah, if you want a portfolio, you need a portfolio that's maybe a bond portfolio. Or a larger percentage of bonds, let's say 55 to 60% bonds, and maybe the other 40% equities. You need a diversified portfolio to make that work. Just owning tech stocks is a tremendous amount of risk because those stocks are volatile. And yes, I know the hot stocks today, Facebook, Amazon, Google, right. you know, the FANG stocks. Yeah, they're doing really well, but they could just as easily tank by the time, you know, right at the point your kids are going to college. I think a good way to look at it, and correct me if I'm wrong, Janine, but it would be, what's the real opportunity? Like, let's say tech stocks still continue to really grow. I mean, really have a great next four years. What does that turn $100,000? Let's say that's what you've got saved for college, Jim, because it sounds like you've got multiple kids, right? So let's just say maybe you've got $100,000. You're going to be able to pay for you know a couple of in-state school tuitions over the course of that period of time. Again, just making some guesses here. Let's say you got $100,000. How much can we really, even if things were really perfectly aligned for the next couple of years, what does that hundred k really turn into if that great growth happens? But also... What happens if it cuts in half or more down to 40000 or $50,000? Well, now you can't afford school. And right. is it that much of a dramatic difference for those dollars in four years? Can you really get that much growth in that short period of time? You know, if you have a period of time that's, let's go back to 2009, 10, skip 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you can't really do. But yeah, depending on the portfolio allocation, you could have gotten at least half again as much into that portfolio. But that's a gamble. Big gamble. Yeah, it's a big gamble because typically what people will do are, you know, oh, I'm worried about this, but yet I'm going to take a lot of risk with my portfolio. And it'll be, in this case, it's all equities. So if the market takes a dive, and that's what happened, obviously, in 2008, the market took a huge dive. And people who had 529 plans with aggressive portfolio or aggressive funds lost half of it 
So a lot of colleges or a lot of retirements needed to be postponed Mm -hmm. or you had to come up with some other methodology to pay. So yeah, if you're four years away from college expenses, I would be going to a very conservative portfolio and even sticking some in cash for that first year. Yeah. It's just like your retirement, really. I mean, if you're, let's say your kids are in elementary school right now, Jim, well, you got a longer time horizon, so you probably can be more aggressive, just like if you were 15 or 20 years away from retirement versus four years away. Right. It's that four-year timeline. I mean, that's a short horizon. Yes, you could get a 12 or 15% year in a portfolio, but there's no guarantee you'll get it the next year. Well said, Janine and Jim. Hopefully that's helpful. Seriously, though, thank you for the question. I know Janine was tough on you. Don't worry. I'll tell her to be nicer next time around. But but sometimes it does take that. It takes a little bit of tough love and a little bit of a, hey, this doesn't make sense. We got to work on this. This this really probably isn't the best, you know, situation for you to be in. This goes against what I would recommend anybody. I'd rather have somebody really willing to give me the straight skinny, as we say from time to time here on the show, Janine, rather than just agree with me and say, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. It's wrong, but you keep doing what you're doing. I'd rather have somebody say, hey, this isn't right. You should change this or at least think about it from a different angle. And that's helpful. And if you don't have an advisor like that on your side, pointing those kinds of things out for you, again, I encourage you to reach out to Janine and talk a little bit about it. 443-718-6311 is the number to call. You can set up time to meet for a complimentary initial review of your financial plan to talk with Janine about what's important to you as you approach retirement and your financial future and how you can best position yourself going forward. 443-718-6311 and always online at theuswealthadvisors.com. Feel free to reach out if you've got any questions about anything you hear on the show or about your own financial life. Janine, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us. Hope you have a good couple of uh, days and we'll be back together again on the podcast soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Walter. We'll look forward to it. That's Janine Theus. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on Your Financial Mission. Your Financial Mission.